Hey, Gavin. Hey, Louie. Girly, I saw you yesterday. This you is did. unprecedented. <laughs> We're unprecedented. We, we just spent 15 minutes talking about company. We because, did. We... Because you guys would what? love the pre-show. <laughs> uh, honestly, when's our um, Broadway podcast coming out? <laughs> the, we, the, we, the Mixed Reviews Broadway edition. We were just mixing our reviews about um, the productions of Company. Um, th- the reviews were, and they were mixed, okay? They Gavin has some spicy thoughts. Yeah. We are not uh, the same person, you know? I know. We weren't the same person when we began that conversation. <laughs> and we'll never be the same again. Nope. Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome to the Mixed Reviews. We are a film podcast where we take a film subject such as an actor, director, or a mini genre, and we take two weeks. We watch as much as we can. We do as much research as possible, and then we part it all back to you and we tell you what we like and what we don't like yes the reviews most of the times are mixed um this is a very uh special episode i would say because um on our last episode with special guest derek b gale we brought up this person we talked yeah. about him um a couple of times um and at the end of the show me and gavin were like who should we do <laughs> And just, I mean, it's it's pure coincidence because um, Paul Rudd has a movie coming out and Gavin was in Spain, so we needed someone a little bit easier to do. And we said, well, we did just talk on the show, like, save it for the Paul Rudd episode. And guess what, baby? It's here. It's you're getting your Paul Rudd episode. <laughs> uh, that that um, Tony Collette. Who knew the Tony Collette to Paul Rudd um, pipeline was so strong? And yet here we are. Um, we have a little bit of old business. Um, speaking of our mother, Tony Collette, um, we asked you guys to go online and vote for your favorite Tony Collette movie, and the results are in. Um, Gavin's pick, Miss You Already, was, came in the last place with 7%. But wow, that was, who saw that coming? Wow. But Ga- Gavin <laughs> surprised us all with that pick. I, th- I, who knew Gavin could make little sentimental picks like that? I know. And, and I it's... will say, Miss You Already... I just, Gavin loves to fucking drag me about what you, we we recorded a, a bonus episode yesterday and Gavin said, this was more of a you movie than me movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bitch, well, first of all, Miss You Already is a me movie and not a you movie and yet here we are, okay? Yeah, I, re- I realized too, uh, when I was editing that episode, the Tony Clyde episode, I, I never finished my thought about why I was picking Miss You Already. And I said, you know, I think after five years, I know our audience. And what I was implying was that I think it's a movie that the people that listen to our show would like if they have not seen it. And hopefully my recommendation would get them to see it because it really is a beautiful film. And that's that's what all what I wanted to impart on the audience with that. But I truly did. I was like, I'm not winning this poll. <laughs> Gavin, just be honest. You're a Catherine Hardwick stan. Absolutely. Let, I love- mean, I, I only picked her Little Red Riding Hood movie for my least favorite werewolf film in our werewolf episode. Wow. So, talk, about, talk about highs and lows, Catherine. Yeah. Uh, she's all over the map over here. Um, next up uh, was Clock Watchers, which was my pick um, at 14%. And then uh, the Sixth Sense, which was Derek's, came in at thirty six percent. And Muriel's Wedding, you know, the classic, the original flavor that none of us picked, but we all bow down to, came in at first percent, uh, oh, first place with forty three percent. It is incredible. It is that girl. Um, we had a lot of people write in um, 
their picks as well. We had an about a boy, which seek treatment um, <laughs> in her shoes, which is excellent. Yeah. Um, Can't argue Trana, with that. Trana came with us with um, Hereditary. We had a couple of Hereditaries. Um, someone just put in um, <laughs> the United States of Terra, which, you know what? Yes, you're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> is it her best film? No, but it is very good. <laughs> because famously, it is not a film. Yeah. That's not um, how this someone, works. <laughs> someone also mentioned Fright Night. Uh, it's funny. We, we didn't even talk about it in the episode because it's, it's truly like, you know, it's funny. We I mean, we didn't really talk about it on the Colin Farrell episode either. Uh, it's a good movie. And I don't I don't mean to take away from it. And I shockingly really like it, even though it is a remake of a movie I also like. But that's sort of, you know, sometimes that happens. Sometimes you sometimes get a good happens. remake of a film that's also good. Sometimes you get a good company, even though there was already a good company that was already made. It's so crazy. Is Gavin's it a good company? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a little Sondheim for you there. Um, but she will always be our mother. We love her so much. What a great, I mean, a great time recording with um, Derek. Um, so thank you, Derek. Thank you, Tony. I miss you already. Girlies. See what I did uh, there? We, that, that was good. That was very good. Uh, one last piece of old business before we move into this week's episode. I do want to give a shout out to our newest patron, Gnome. In our Patreon rewards, we did mention that if you become a all-star level supporter, you get a shout out on the show. Gnome Pilsher, you are our newest all-star. Thank you Welcome so to the much. Gang. Yeah. Welcome to the gang, girly. Very um, excited to have you. Yes. Um, we we live, laugh, love, all of our patrons. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy the um, the Jennifer Lopez shotgun wedding bonus episode that um, we put out today. Um, the movie's Silly Billy Fun. Um, and you can hear us talk about it over on the Patreon. Those updates, those episode updates are also only available for our all-stars tier. So, uh Sorry if you're the lower tier, but that's okay. You can always bump up if you want. Yeah, we love you just the same. We do. Um, but anyway, let's get into uh, this episode. Um, today we're talking about Paul Rudd, um, who we famously <laughs> like mentioned. You, you said that like a grade school teacher. Yes. Kids gather round. <laughs> and today, Paul Rudd, um, he never ages and everyone likes him. That's it. That's Episode it. over. <laughs> thank, thank you very much for joining us. If you want to contact yeah. us, you can contact yeah. us. <laughs> um, yeah, we talked about him like randomly um, in the last episode because we were supposing that he was someone's – we were talking about Nepo babies and we were like, is this someone related to Paul Rudd? So his wife – wrote fun mom dinner yes and that was the i was like well i don't i haven't done enough research to right. know if if she this was is related his wife to Paul, or, yeah or sister or sister and it was the wife it's his wife yeah um and you know and and so we just said you know we were trying to find someone like who would be like not too difficult to get through because um, Gavin was famously being a cheater girl um, over the last week, which we love. Um, and yeah, we, we landed on Paul Rudd. Gavin, what's your um, relationship to Paul Rudd? He he wears lots of hats, I would say. He does. Uh, so, I, I mean, obviously, I think anybody that's of my age, I know you're slightly younger, just a tiny bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Just a real tiny bit, okay? 
<laughs> I'm a child. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, but anybody that's around my age probably saw Paul Rudd for the first time in Clueless. I mean, the his turn as Josh is yeah. screen iconic for a, any... What, what are we? Are we millennials? We're sure. millennials. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for any millennial. You might be a Gen X. I don't know, Gavin. Oh, fuck you. Okay. <laughs> and the line is like really blurry, so I don't know. <laughs> well, that's because I'm using a heavy filter. <laughs> that's, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it keeps the wrinkles out. Yeah. So his turnage, it's Josh, is just iconic. And yeah. it's hard to think of him as anything else but i think the movie that like i remember him most from childhood was the object of my affection did you tell me that your sister loved that movie i did hi nikki by the way nikki listens to the show now and she actually wrote us a, a nice facebook comment saying that she only watched uh everything everywhere all at once because of our suggestion which is funny because i could have just spoken to her and i'm sure she would have ignored (laughs) it but when you have me better yes (laughs) she wishes you were her brother i get it but uh yeah my sister loved that movie i remember i don't nikki might have a different recollection everybody has a different recollection but i remember her watching it a lot when i was a kid and and me being like oh oh paul rudd hmm Hmm. oh he's a homosexual yeah Hmm. what's that like uh funny enough i rewatched that movie today and i have thoughts but (laughs) i have not seen it since i was a kid and uh yeah that's i think those two are the what formed who paul rudd is for me yeah i mean i definitely saw clueless and like it's funny though because like I was not a wet, hot American summer person. Like, a lot of his, like, early comedy stuff really flew by me. Um, definitely saw Clueless because my um, older cousin, she was just like, this movie's okay, iconic. older? Like, she, come on. She, uh, she's like 40 <laughs> and I'm not. <laughs> um, but and Because the first time I saw Clueless, there was a lot I did not understand. I did not understand that um, the gay guy was gay. I just, you know, all the jokes with uh about sex and stuff i just i didn't understand i was i was but a child but i do remember like i mean the movie is iconic and and um so yeah that definitely was the beginning but it was until like like once judd apatow finds paul red yeah (laughs) he is frozen in amber he is the everyman who's like the goofball and so you get the anchorman you get 40 year old virgin knocked up this is 40 like it's it's the Paul Rudd. Um, he is but a uh, planet in the Judd Apatow uh, solar system, you know. Um, and I guess, th- yeah, I mean, you kind of like, along with like Will Ferrell and all those characters that kind of as we were, for me at least, going through like high school and college, it's like every year you were getting one of those movies. They're kind of bro Not kind of, they are bro Like it's Yeah, like bro- I was going to say brotastic and and but like girls think like he's cute and like and he is cute like of course he is um but he's affable and goofy um yeah he's kind of a silly billy i i a part of me is like god is there like a lot to say about paul rudd because i know i feel the same way because he's just yeah i I was reading a a new york times article and like the whole thing was like he's likable his whole thing is he's likable and um uh and it's like yeah yeah, he is likable. 
Um, is he a great actor? I don't know. What's funny is though he went to school. He's he's yeah. He's he's I, a Broadway baby. I mean, I believe he's very dedicated to his craft. Yeah. Um, but I think that's not what the girlies come for when you go to right. see a Paul Rudd movie. And like, I think that's going to bear out when we kind of go through his career because there have been some like more serious turns where it's like, hmm, hmm. Yeah. So with all that, why don't we get into the rewind? All right. It's my turn this week. Um, so Paul Rudd, Paul Stephen Rudd, I was born on April 6th. Stephen? Stephen. He uh, was born April 6th, 1969. Makes him 53 years old, um, which is wild. Yeah. The man looks great. Uh, but, but it's so funny because, I mean, that's the thing with Paul Rudd. The, it's like the Keanu Reeves, Paul Rudd thing where it's like yeah. everybody's like, oh, they don't age and whatnot. Everybody, like, I'm sure he's so tired of hearing it. Because oh, yeah. everybody asks, almost every interview, and let me tell you, there might not be a lot of interview clips in this episode because the man has never given a serious interview in his life. Mm-hmm. But every interview that somebody brings it up, he's like, I age. I most certainly age. I, I, especially these days. Well, uh, that's where most of the money went to the, to the de-aging effects. On my, as Michael said, it's, it all went to, to me. I feel awful on the inside. <laughs> greatly. I'm 80 years old on the inside. It's a mess underneath all, in here and in here. Pure darkness. There have been interviews where he's talking about like, yeah, people ask me the same questions over and over again. And now I'm at the point of like, is that even reality? Like, I, I, the things I'm saying, did that even really happen? Like, right. He's, he's so disarming though, because he's like, people don't want to like push Paul Rudd because it's Paul Rudd. And, right. and he's, he's not on social media. You know, he's been married forever. Like, he has a very normal fucking life. And so, uh, yeah, it's a little bit bizarre that, um, he is so easily to be so detached from, um, giving a lot of his life away because, he doesn't you know and he just kind of like laughs it off like lol i'm I'm an actor whatever (laughs) um he was born in new jersey uh but he it's okay so he's born in new jersey to jewish parents and he's he's jewish but uh, he's also very much like meh it was whatever like yeah they're they're his parents were were english born so i was gonna um, say they're also british which is like British yeah. uh, Jews. Their last names originally Rudinsky, but their grandfather changed it, I believe. Yeah, and I think also he just talks a lot about how his dad was very much like religion, whatever. <laughs> like, you know. Um, and he says now, you know, with his kids, he's like, Yeah, we had a bar mitzvah for my son, but like it was very like we're doing it because all his friends are doing it, not like because <laughs> of any specific, you know, religious reasons. Um his father, Michael, was a uh, he worked for TWA, um, and his mom Gloria was a sales manager um, at a TV station. So they he's he spent a little bit of time in Jersey, but most of his formative years were actually spent in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, Kansas. He talks about Kansas specifically, but yeah, it's the, he, it's the smaller one, Kansas City, correct. Kansas. When I was ten, I'd already been in I don't even know how many schools. Um, I think because my parents were both British that I had moved around. I was always a new kid in school and I was Jewish, certainly in Kansas city. And I knew that that was the, I was in the minority there. I always felt a little 
different than I guess most of the kids. And, and what I learned early, kind of early on is that like, if I make Jewish jokes about myself, um, I noticed that all of the kids would laugh really hard. Yeah. It wasn't until I got older. I'm like, that's kind of, that's kind of messed up. <laughs> no one in his family is an actor. There was nothing like really setting him up for like acting success. Um, he was just kind of like a normal kid. Um, he loved like reading skateboarding magazines and he loved like California culture. And he talks a lot about how he was like, oh, it's so weird that people like are born places and then stay there their entire lives. <laughs> like, um, because he was, you know, going to London a lot to see family. Um, you know, he definitely had family still in the Jersey area. Um, so he was kind of like globe hopping a little bit. It, it was in high school. He, you know, he was famously on the debate team, which was called forensics in Kansas. Um, yeah. And they were like state ranked or like something crazy like that. So they were, he they was, were giving speeches about why gay marriage should be legal or not legal and also solving crimes. Yeah. SVU style. <laughs> I believe that's actually CSI style would be forensics. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I love that you, you're like, actually, um, actually that's incorrect. <laughs> um, he says that it was um, like a neighbor who had a kid who was like an actor was the first person to tell Paul Rudd, like, have you thought about being an actor? This was like when he was in high school. And he was like, oh, is that a thing that people can do? And he... And this is the story he tells. Maybe it's wrong. Maybe it's false. And he's just making up in his imagination. But he saw Steve Martin going on tour um, and was very inspired by um, Letterman um, and, and stand-up comedians, uh, really. And But for whatever reason, he never really tried to be a comedian, like a stand-up comedian, at least. Um, but so he did a couple of plays in high school, uh, went to the University of Kansas, did a couple of plays there. Um, and it was, I think he said, like, he spent two years in Kansas and then he went to California and joined the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Um, he said that, you know, that was the only place he really considered and auditioned and got in, went. Um, he also went to go study in Oxford uh, just because that little London connection. So uh, the British American Drama Academy, if you will. <laughs> uh, he worked as a DJ at bar mitzvahs to pay the bills, which he did. Which, Gavin, you know all about, honey, being a DJ. Well, yeah, but I mean, uh, it's a bit different DJing somebody's... No, no I guess it's really not DJing no. somebody's <laughs> passage into manhood and then also being a strip club DJ. Yeah, is... see, there you go. Um, I got talents, baby. Hello. <laughs> when I was in uh, going to school and I would DJ on the weekends, but not a cool DJ. It sounds like, oh, I was a DJ. And uh, now DJs, like, that's like, I wouldn't know how to really DJ. I used to DJ. You did? Uh, bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs and birthdays. And that's adorable. For a company called You Should Be Dancing. Famously, uh, Paul Rudd um, in 1991 made a very famous Nintendo commercial. And so that was like kind of his acting debut, really. Um, and Gavin, your, your favorite um, sisters show. Um, premieres and he's in that um yes he did he i believe he did three seasons of sisters now i don't want to get us too sidetracked talking about sisters but sisters was a show i used to watch my mom growing up uh i loved it so much and he joined i want to say he was like their attempt to to swing at like 
a slightly younger audience because all the main characters had their own kids and everything. And so Alex, played by Susie Kurtz, her daughter, Reed, played by Ashley Judd, needed a love interest. They bring in Paul Rudd, playing a character named Kirby. He comes to New York. Like, he wants to be, like, you had mentioned earlier, he's kind of, like, serious about his the craft of acting and he he has said before like he wanted to have a long career he was he wasn't worried about what kind of roles he got he just wanted to make sure that he had like the stability um to have a a a lasting career um and so he goes to new york um instead of going straight to, to la um but you know it's 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 weird because it's not slow going he's getting booked but like nothing like catches fire fire i would say right. like he he leaves sisters to be in clueless which should have been like i mean it, it is a huge deal like that clueless was a a seminal moment but like alicia silverstone catches fire like paul rudd does not um, right and even getting in clueless he like beat out ben affleck zach braff like it, 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 all the girls wanted the role of Josh. Hi, you just got here and already you're playing Couch Commando? Hey, you know, in some parts of the universe, maybe not in Contempo Casual, but in some parts, it's considered cool to know what's going on in the world. Thank you, Josh. I so need lessons from you on how to be cool. Tell me that part about Kenny G again. So Clueless happens in 95. It's a big hit, but like it does more for like Amy Heckerling and Alicia Silverstone. Right. Um, and which Paul Rudd reteams with Amy Heckerling later in what's the name of that movie? I can never be your woman. I can never be your woman, which we did. We, we maybe briefly mentioned in our Michelle Pfeiffer episode. It was actually my one star review in the Michelle Pfeiffer episode. I hate that movie with a passion. Um, yeah, I will yeah. say before before we talk about the ramifications of Clueless, because even though he was I love not, that. the ramifications of Clueless are very. <laughs> wide varied you know yeah absolutely political climates change yes, uh, so- yes. social climates change climate <laughs> climates changed and uh really and it started I remind you it does not say rsvp on the statue of liberty see We're the, that's the poli sci that you need in this world w- what but, would the hadian say <laughs> but he did film a movie before Clueless. Yes. And that's that's a little film called Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, which was also Halloween 6. It, but it had not come out yet. And even though, like you said, he was not an overnight sensation like Alicia Silverstone was off of that film, it did cause the producers of that movie to really advertise that they had Paul Rudd from Clueless playing the Tommy Doyle character, which, by the way, uh, he was offered to play that role again in Halloween Kills, which uh, Anthony Michael Hall ended up playing that role in Halloween Kills because he is good friends with David Gordon Green. They did Prince Avalanche together. And he was like, no, but I give my blessing to, you know, whoever you, you pick to to play that He's role like, i'm fine yeah um, i'm good i'm good michael's work isn't done in haddonfield and soon very soon he'll come home to kill again but this time i'll be ready this is like the pre-bro era you know he's uh which i kind of i kind of like this era it's a weird era he's yes. mostly doing tip spots but like 
he is playing and not yet um, typecast. Um, right. You know, he does a little bit moment in Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, playing um, Paris, Juliet's suitor. Yes. Um, the aforementioned, the object of my affection, which is kind of a huge deal, like to play the love, like the main love interest of um, Jennifer Aniston, who was very hot from like friends. Yeah. Um, he had, and- he had said that he knew her prior to this, that he had like, he was like acquaintances with her and David Schwimmer beforehand and watching them. Like he wasn't jealous of watching their rise from friends, but he said it was a very, it was sort of a very peculiar thing to see them all go from working actors to like, Oh no, right. they're famous now. Yeah. And it's weird because like this movie and like 200 cigarettes and maybe Souter House Rules, they're, um, maybe less Souter House Rules, but like they're all very like New Yorky films. You know, it's yes. very just like kind of, you know, oh, there woe is me a little bit, and like life is crazy, and like um, object of my affection. He plays um, a homosexual. Um, he plays gay quite a bit, actually. He does. Um, yeah. yeah. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. He's. I mean, I think he does a fine job. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's, I mean, it's, it's whatever. I, I mean, he's so cute in the movie. He's so cute. I, I will say this. I had not seen it since I was a kid and I was like, oh yeah, it's, it's like a good, like rom-com sort of, no, it's not. Re- revisiting today, I was like, I was like, in a way it's got, it's got elements of a rom-com. The closest in rom-com it gets to is I almost feel like my best friend's wedding because mm-hmm. it's wild that Jennifer Aniston would want to star in this movie when she is the villain. <laughs> like yes. she, and it's so manipulative and I get that it was a different time. And that's what and, I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like dealing with, I mean, everybody thought homosexuality was new, which it wasn't, but but it was new in the media in the way that it was getting attention. These stories were being told. And there's a scene towards the, I mean, for those who don't know that this is a film about a woman who meets Paul Rudd and she falls in love with him, even though he is gay and she's having a baby and she doesn't love the man that she's having a baby with. And so they, they move in together and she kind of manipulates him in a way that like to like, try and be like rate help me raise my kid it's proto will and grace almost like it's, K- it's kind be- of but but she because, like they do love each other like not in yes. a romantic way but he's very much like they take cl- dancing classes together and he's like because he's also going through a breakup and so yeah. like they are very leaning on each other to support each other and be friends and then she gets pregnant and she's like what if we raise this child together and he's like yeah sure but then he's like I want to fuck guys. Right, well, uh, but, yeah, but also like she's kind of toxic. It's not a flattering portrayal of a because because like at least in and like I didn't watch a ton of Will and Grace. I'm sorry. I know that really? makes me wow. A, yeah. Well, that makes you a Gen Xer for sure. Yeah. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> the <laughs> se- second fuck you of the episode. Uh, but uh, the yeah, I just I don't know. I could not cotton her behavior no of course but i think like watching this movie and i watched this maybe for like gay cinema episode because i'm like why did i see this movie i saw this movie for 
this podcast before. Um, and I, this time around, I thought like, this is clearly such a like reaction to like, how, how do, how do people like live with like gays? Like it's, it's such a clear, like, we don't know how to behave and, you know, and this woman being like, what do you mean you deserve a life? And like, you right. have your own like you know you mean you're not going to be like my gay bff who like drops everything to be with me and so i she of uh, her behavior of course is like fucking gross but i think the movie does a really good job of being like yeah you're a fucking psycho bitch in the end you know he gets to like leave and have his own life you know right like she she learns her lesson and so to me it's like yes this was 1998 and we had to explain to the allies that we are going to have our own lives as well. Yeah, that we are autonomous people that that get to have their own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and like, and also, I I liked that you know there's different types of gays. There's like an older man yes. who like you know, and and so and, there. And, and I did. Yeah, I will. I will say the the uh, yeah the study or the representation of of the the older man who has like a younger lover who is. Also, it's opening the relationship to Paul Rudd and and slowly becomes Paul Rudd's love interest. And and, and it's it's, at the very end. It very is like modern family vibes. It's very fucking 1998 in New York City. Like it's yes, like uh, it's like this weird time capsule. Um, I think like the greatest like fucking horror of this movie really is just like they sold it as this rom-com of between Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston and it's like look at these two very attractive people um but like it's not that at all it's too no. complicated and it's just a book and the book is even more complicated you know like they really watered it down for this well I've always had terrible judgment my entire freshman year I had a crush on a guy named Trotter Bull III <laughs> just like one of those rowers that's pretty good judgment to me. Except he had a girlfriend. I actually got up the courage to talk to him one night about Walt Whitman. He probably became an investment banker, had four kids, all named Trotter, and uh, never talked about poetry again. I'll talk to you about poetry. And did you know that who did the screenplay? Fucking Wendy Wasserstein. Which is oh. kind of which is kind of iconic. Yeah, so, that is uh, iconic. Um, around this time, also he's in the Cider House Rules, which to me, you know, I didn't rewatch that movie, but like it's just like he was yeah. playing in the like, like clueless, like in the Ben Affleck, Matt Damon universe of like hot young man who was like down to be like Toby Maguire, like we're all the boys jockeying to be like the boy. Yeah, and it's funny because I I think even the the lesser scene stuff is really in that realm too. Because I also watched a film called The Size of Watermelons, which I still don't really understand why it's called that. Where it's it's an entire movie that he basically carries, and it's him and Donald Logan. He plays a wannabe filmmaker, and it's all like has very little aesthetic. But I appreciated the fact that it constantly is. He's because he wants to be a filmmaker. He's constantly being like, you know, Quentin Tarantino says, and everybody laughs at him. Quentin Tarantino once said, "I didn't go to film school. I went to movie." <laughs> hey, Quentin Tarantino said he didn't go to film school. He went to movies. Yeah, but Quentin Tarantino eats my ass. <laughs> 
there's this film he did called the locusts which is right. like this tennessee williams wannabe we mentioned this in like in our brendan fraser episode where it's like right if they're not the main guy but like we're in a school so like all these other guys are like oh that's a famous person that like oh, yes. kevin bacon like you know it's the, the, all the girls are here the, the next thing he does is a full left turn um in 2000 he gets cast uh in jackie chan presents gen y cops it only premiered in america on sci-fi channel it's also really funny and notable that jackie chan had nothing to do with this movie he was in the the previous film he was in gen x cops which i am not one of and (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i like me i made you watch this movie because we talked about it when we recorded our j-lo I watched, I watched, I, so I saw the scenes of him with like, um, well, the Graham Norton episode where, yes, and he, it's funny when people bring it up to him and he's like, it was so weird. It was great. You know, I, yeah. I learned I, my little Cantonese, they blew, and he knows, and that's also the thing about Paul Rudd. He's so unserious. He's like, acting is dumb. Um, I don't know, like, it's all, and I think that's also why, like, he's like, these interviews are silly because it's like, right. you know, I'm here to sell a movie like, you know, well, that, like, and, this is- and that's definitely the thing is like, and I, I don't mean to to act like he's making my job any harder because I don't I don't care. But it's funny that like he knows he's there to sell a product. So he right. and his greatest asset is charm. He is a charm offensive machine. Yes. And so he it's knows offensive how charming he is. It truly is. And that you know he's just there to he's there to sell a product so he's not going to waste time on being you know the world's most serious he's not going to daniel day lewis everything and be like i lived as fucking abraham lincoln for 3 right, months right no texting like, sally field in character right he's like okay they hired me for this gig and i was like yeah i want to go to like hong kong to make a movie and and for this movie uh gen y cops He's like, yeah, I'm the FBI director, and they told me I had to bleach blonde my hair, and so he did it. Um, he's like, most of his speaking role is in English, but yes, um, there are a couple of Cantonese moments dibble dabbled in there. Zhong Yao Yat can see me, Zhou. What? Bin Gan Chao Ba Choi Ho. Which is funny because I think the version you can find in America is only dubbed, or at least the version I watched, it was on Tubi. And so he is doing his lines for almost the entire film, except for the very end where he has like three lines in Cantonese and they dub him with somebody else. Right. Which you're not even hearing Paul Rudd. (laughs) You're not even hearing Paul Rudd at that point. But he also did... Uh, improv a famous line about Roseanne Barr in the yes. film and he knew he could get away with it because he was one of the only English speaking people on right. set uh, or I, I'd see I don't know how true that is though because the English was kind of prevalent in Hong Kong as well at the time but alas yeah. it was your partner if we lose him and the robot it's down to you two guys Roseanne Barr Arnold to be president in the United States of America before you two punks see the light of day. If you had to say what lit the fire for Paul Rudd, I think most people would say Clueless. But I think the real answer is in 2002 when he's actually cast um, as Mike in Friends, Phoebe's love interest. There really is the three sort of 
modes of his career. There's like the the Friends era, the Apatow era, and now the Marvel era. Him and Lisa Kudrow have very good chemistry. Yeah. I think their characters together are very good. And um, I fucking love Lisa Kudrow. So like, I know, I know. Um, really, like you know, this is kind of like he's committed to his little um tv moments it really isn't until 2004 two years later after like he wraps up friends um in 2004 is when he gets his first apatow movie and that is anchorman um he is one of the titular anchor men um in the will ferrell squad um did i rewatch anchorman no yeah have i seen it of course i have um this is like the era of Judd Apatow realizes, oh, I know, you know, everyone knows kind of um, this guy and and he's just kind of like naturally charming and funny. We don't really need him to act anymore. We just need him to be himself, um, be right. silly. He's he's naturally funny. And and on top of that, I think he talks about he he's done interviews where he's like, oh, I love just like making a joke go on and on and on. And on and on and on. And I think that's hilarious. And that's funny to me. And I'm like, that's my worst fucking nightmare. Yeah. He talks about um, Kaufman, Andy Kaufman, who does who who is the yes. king of that bit. And how he loves that shit. And I was like, not for me, pal. It's so funny, though, because I think there's truly a, a different tract when, you know, there's... It's a very famous thing in comedy called anti-comedy, which is when you allow a bit to go on so long it stops being funny. And then if you let it continue to go on, it'll eventually circle back into being funny. And I think there's some people who can do it really well. Actually, somebody who's not given enough credit on that in in modern times is Kristen Shaw is really Mm. good at pulling off that sort of thing. But I think because... Paul Rudd is who he is and he is that that charming yeah sort of scamp that it doesn't so easily come back around if that makes sense and so it I remember I specifically remember uh 40 year old virgin came out while I was in college uh, going for film and I remember seeing it in theaters and lo- like absolutely loving it and thinking it was so funny. And then getting the DVD, which had the the extended director's cut and all the director's cut Which is was, fucking saying something because Judd Apatow famously cannot cut his movies. They're so long. Well, but that was his first film, right? So he didn't have that luxury. And so the 40-year-old virgin for as long as it is, is still... An economy of jokes. And Wait, so that doesn't Anchorman come out first? Did he direct Anchorman? Directed by oh Adam McKay. Yeah. There you go, girly. Yeah, yes, I was learning. gonna say I was gonna say he just pretty so in the director's cut, the difference was is it was just like every joke lasted for like seven or eight minutes more and they would just go on and on and i was like as somebody who was going for film and ended up becoming an editor i was like oh this 
is truly the power of, of storytelling and filmmaking and editing and like w- taking this stuff back and making it palatable and making it work in a, in a tight sequence. You know, I, I never appreciated 40 year old virgin more than when I saw the monstrosity what that could, it have, could been. have been. Yeah. yeah. And, th- and that's, I agree. Like that's when Paul Rudd does it, there's something that is lost for me. And trust me, there's, there's times where he does it in, in films where I think it works. I think certain directors know how to get him at the right peak. I'll talk about that in a little bit, just a cute little tease there, but the, but yeah, I think in the everything post 40 old virgin Apatow land, it's like too much. Well, I think like he, he is a goofball and we love it. Um, I think it is hard because the likability factor is, is part of this. Like I think about um, the the bit in this is 40 with um, him and most McCarthy and like how he is so good because he is allowing most McCarthy to like fucking pop off. There are movies where he will try and do the thing and pop off and you're right. It is harder to come back around to like, because I think he's at his best when he's reacting to the person who's going crazy. I don't think he has like, he, he, he had the charm is too soft. Like there's, you know, so it feels like when he's rubbing against the grain, it feels like incorrect and wrong. Um, I'll, I'm going to put a pin in that because there's a movie specifically when it happens where I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And Anchorman, I think, is a good example where I think it's fine because his character is so, like, defined. It's not necessarily him. Like, there is, like, some um, theatricality and and over-the-top-edness of everyone in that movie, right? Um, Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so... So it it th- there is like some fun there, and you know this is not me shitting on Anchorman. I think Anchorman's fun. Um, yeah, all these movies really like you could lump them all together and be like, yeah, I guess if you're like a person who you know wants to smoke a little bit of weed and like have friends over, like sure. But uh, it's very samey, you know. They're the same flavor of movie. Um, after Anchorman, which is a very big hit, and people love everyone in that fucking movie. Um, 60% of the time, it works every time. It's called Sex Panther by Odeon. It's illegal in nine countries. Yep, it's made with bits of real panther. So you know it's good. It's quite pungent. Oh, yeah. Ooh, it's a formidable scent. <laughs> it stings the nostrils. In a good way. Yeah. Brian, I'm going to be honest with you. That smells like pure gasoline. They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. That doesn't make sense. That is the classic scene with them, right? Um, like you mentioned, 40-Year-Old Virgin. Um, no. Yeah, 40-Year-Old Virgin. That's the movie you said, right? Yeah. 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 So, again, I, I did rewatch this um, for this episode. Um, he's, you know, kind of like the number two to Steve Carell, I guess. Yeah. Um, and is very <laughs> the I forgot that his love interest in this is Mindy Kaling and I was like oh my god she's so young in this yeah. movie it's crazy um but I, not- I do I do like that in 40 year old virgin he's also given the opportunity to be I think the other mode of Paul Rudd is uh he's he's very funny and charming but he's also like slightly angry 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and I think when he's allowed to express that anger, it oftentimes can be very funny. And that very famous scene where he flips out about the TVs and the yeah. the fucking the fucking Michael Michael McDonald concert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Paula. Yeah. I gotta tell you something. I'm really excited about it. Uh, for the first time today, I woke up, I came to the store, and I, I feel confident to say to you that if you don't take this Michael McDonald DVD that you've been playing for two years straight off, I'm going to kill everyone in the store and put a bullet in my brain. David, what do you suggest we play? I don't care. Anything. I would rather I would rather watch Beautician and the Beast. I would rather listen to Fran Drescher for eight hours than have to listen to Michael McDonald. Nothing against him, but if I hear Yamo be there one more time, I'm going to Yamo burn this place to the ground. I do want to rewind because I did forget um, what Hot American Summer comes out in 2001. Okay, well, see, I was going to wait. I, I was like, if Louis's not going to talk about it, I will wait. I think the unsung bit of those those three modes that were like the, the I think the things that people know him from is the friends, the Apatow and the Marvel. I think the lesser extent is the like David Wayne stuff. And I think those really allow him to get really silly and, yeah. and really, and I actually I really love his performance in wet hot American summer. I think it's so funny and, and like closer to, true abstraction as Mm. to who Paul Rudd is, where he's allowed to play with the boxes that the other filmmakers have put him in. Because if Apatow likes him to be like an, an every, an every man sort of guy, David Wayne wants him to be an every man sort of guy in a, insane universe (laughs) and that's and that's really like he's like okay we can do this but and i think you know when you have like wet hot american summer or the other films that he's done with him wanderlust they came together that's he's really playing with that idea of and admittedly wet hot american summer it's a little more abstract because he's like super cool guy yeah but I think there's nothing funnier than that bit in Wet Hot American Summer when Janine Garofalo tells him to clean up. Clean up. And he he like acts like a fucking toddler. He yeah. acts like a like a three-year-old would react when yeah. you tell them to clean up. And yeah, it's funny because in that movie also specifically, he's it's not just like, oh, look at this like accessible guy who happens to be cute. His whole bit is that he is the hot guy. Yes. He is the hot guy who is horny and is probably a bad kisser because he's just licking people's faces. <laughs> he virtually uh, is. Um, you taste like burger. I don't like you anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and also, like, this is, a, you know, it's worth mentioning. This is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like this is the beginning of like him working with these people over and over and over and yes. over again. He um, He is a creature of habit. When he finds somebody he likes, he's willing to just work with them and work with them and work with them. And yeah, I, I that's commendable. And we've we've talked about a bunch of people like that on this show before. But I I always think that's, you know, when you find a groove and it works for you, you why yeah. not? Yeah, I mean, like this will not be the first or this will not be the last time he makes out with um, Elizabeth Banks. Banks, yeah. Like I feel like him and her are like on the same <laughs> you know roller coaster ride. Um, I mean, they even did. We didn't even talk about it. I couldn't find it, but they did a Joe Dante film. That was in the same. Do you remember when we talked about Robert Rodriguez and we talked about 
the Selma Hayek, um, David Arquette movie, the, mm. the like road racers. Yes. The, yes. Yeah. So th- that was a series of films that show our, yeah, Showtime had produced that were remakes of 1950s greaser movies, essentially. And there's a, right. there's another one called runaway daughters that both him and Elizabeth Banks are in a Joe Dante and I could not find it. So if anybody has seen that, I'm, I'm curious to watch that relic. Um, back in the Apatow land, um, you know, it's 40 year old virgin. He's in knocked up, um, at, with Leslie Mann, who we will see him married with, uh, again later in this is 40, yeah, um, playing this. I mean, those are the same characters from right, right. Knocked it's the up. same. Yeah, Unfor- it's unfortunately, the same universe. Like, it's the same universe. <laughs> We're getting into like the aughts, the, the later aughts. He's in Walk Hard. Um, forgetting Sarah Marshall. <laughs> I, I, and these are and these are tip spots. And yep. and these are him being allowed to just come in and play. I love his bit in Walk Hard. He plays John Lennon. Don't you agree, John Lennon? Yes, Dewey Cox. With meditation, there's no limit to what we can. Imagine. I love his bit in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, where he plays, you know, a stone surf instructor. They're coming, wiki wiki. Can you get some towels for me, please? I'm really losing a lot of blood. You sound like you're from London. It isn't until really like Wanderlust that he has a big role. These are, you know, before it's just the little tip spots here and there. Um, Wanderlust, I think, is taking the pin out where I think like, again, because he's... There's the moment which I think was supposed to be like the big moment. And I had seen this movie before, but like when he's like in the mirror talking about his dick. Yes. And it goes on for a real long time. You gonna take that dick? I'm gonna pop off a piece of my dick. Oh yeah, I'm fixin's to fuck you. I'm gonna fuck you. I'm gonna get it all up in your vage. Get it up in your vage with my dick. With my dick. Gonna put it in with my dick. I'm gonna put my dick in. I'm gonna put my dick in. What's up, man? You alright? What's up? And I'm like... This is the comedy of, like... And this is... I mean, and... and Apatow... This is the bed Apatow made. Because... These bits that go on and on and then gave free fucking, um, you know, permission to all the bros then to go out into the universe and just fucking repeat them over and over as if they were funny. <sighs> I disagree on this. Uh, you think the, the Dick version is good? Oh, I mean, I don't know if that entire sequence is that funny, um, personally, but... I think the world David Wayne is coming from is a lot different than Judd Apatow. And I think you sort of have to, the David Wayne's type of comedy, him, Michael Showalter, Michael Ian Black had a comedy show called Stella. There were Stella shorts and everything. And they have this very sexually charged, odd, abstract sense of humor. And, a lot of it is very childish and very, and so I think that specific bit, though, does feel. I think I don't. I don't think your feeling is off about it feeling like that. That it only comes about because 
of the power of the the Apatow stuff. I think that's true. I think Wanderlust probably doesn't get made without the Apatow movies getting made. But I think that is definitely more on a David Wayne level than it is an Apatow sort of like it's not really meant to be broy. It's sort of a more Oh yeah, no, it's not meant to be broy. It's him like obviously Cause, being because it's supposed to like highlight the awkwardness of men and right. and i think i think in it does work like when the when the scene concludes because he's essentially psyching himself up to to sleep with malin ackerman which by the way malin ackerman in a comedy is my favorite justice malin. for malin ackerman yeah yeah i i hate her in a dramatic role i will say anytime i see her in a movie where she's drama i'm like no just do more comedy yeah but uh bring back trophy wife yeah yes yes 100 bring back trophy wife uh michael Watkins in that too oh my I god know. but uh yeah i th- I, th- I think because there's the payoff scene of how awkward he is that he is so off-putting that Malin Ackerman no longer even wants to sleep with him. The the, uh, the best I, that works for me. I don't know. And, and maybe I'm maybe we're focusing too much on one specific scene. And you're right, it goes on for too long. And the fact that they then revisit it during the bloopers at the end, which by the way, bloopers at the end of a movie, I never know how I feel about them. But uh the I I I do I I think maybe it's one of the weaker things in Wanderlust. But I think I I mean the the thing for me is that Catherine Hahn in one take like steals yes. the entire thunder of that joke away, um, which I, I I laughed at her coming over and saying like you're gonna be in my vag, and I was like that she so yeah. I don't know if it's because I I just think. It's it's to me it's such a clearly a canned bit thing. It's just like I don't know. It didn't feel fresh to me. Yes, to okay. Me. I can I can see that. Um, I can see wan- where you're coming from. The Wanderlust as a whole certainly is more silly than the Apatow verse because I feel like Jed Apatow is always trying to find the comedy in like very human things, the mundane, yeah. and like, and he's obviously dealing with like his own midlife whatever i'm not saying crisis always (laughs) yeah like you know in the comedy of like getting older and the comedy of like kids and you know whatever um so yeah i you you mentioned i should rewatch wanderlust and i did and i was like meh still still meh for (laughs) for me um so yeah he does this is 40 where he basically is playing judd apatow because he's married to Leslie Mann, who is Jed Apatow's wife, and literally his kids are the kids in the movie. Those fucking kids are so good. I fucking hate kids in movies, but I think those kids playing themselves is hilarious. They're good, and unfortunately, they're going to have to grow up someday and be like, huh, dad was really bad at writing women. It must be weird. Like, they're going to grow up. One of them is on that HBO show with Zendaya. Euphoria. Euphoria, yeah, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, um, she 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 famously was in the Nepo Baby article because she is Nepo of Baby. Of course, well, yeah, those, I but mean, like, she's an it, isn't it wild? Like, <laughs> their dad put them in a movie to play themselves with their mom. Yeah, playing like it, it, it the mind fuckery of it. I don't, I don't get. You know, um, I hated that movie. I had not you, seen it before. I watched. You hadn't it seen this is forty. No, and I watched it, and I was just like. 
This is so bad. This is not good. I didn't I didn't hate it. I think Leslie Mann is perhaps not um a super strong actress. Oh, um, I mean I just think like but is moments... it the material? Like cuz I I don't I mean I don't dislike Leslie Mann as an actor. I don't dislike but, her either. I think she's but, very funny, but there's moments where she's like I'm crying and I'm like you're literally not. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like I yeah, that movie made me like more so than any of his other work. And I I he's always not been the world's greatest writer of women, but that one specifically I was just like has he ever met a woman? Does he not oh, realize yeah, women are people? The Megan Fox of it all. Yeah, like Yeah. Yeah, fair. Um Tis what it is. Um Anchorman 2 comes out. Um we still did- never seen it. Didn't watch I- it for this. I feel like I might have once upon a time watched it. Um, in this era, also, you, you know, we have the Owen Ohio, which we talked about for our Parker Posey, Parker Posey. episode. Um, um, I did not watch this movie, The Ten, um, which is another uh, David Wynn movie. Um, did you watch The Ten? I've seen it before. I didn't rewatch it for this because skits it's... Skits and bits? Yeah, it's, it's skits and bits. Exactly. And so I was just like, there's nothing that this will really tell me about Paul Rudd. He runs and does role models, which is a is a kind of return to, um, uh, I mean it's a David Wayne movie, but like it feels very Apatow. Yeah, um, I I agree. I think it's the most like, I mean it's clearly the most mainstream David Wayne movie, and it feels the most like within that realm. Yeah, yeah, and I I kind of of. Of this like type of movie, I kind of like role models. I think it's funny. Yeah, um, I like role models as well. I think Sean William Scott is like should be working more. He's still very hot and he's still very funny. Like he has a bit and he does it very well. We have "I Love You, Man," which is again another Apatow moment. Um, he famously is slapping the bass in this movie. Um, yeah. It's I, cute. I, I, yeah, I had seen it in the theaters in 2009 and i remember being like i like this movie and yeah. then i rewatched it today and i was like i don't think i like this movie <laughs> so i don't know i i saw somebody i don't want to claim this is my own brilliance but i saw somebody say that the movie is both gay and homophobic and i have to agree <laughs> i yeah, have to agree it is it is because there's the whole bit where it's like oh no people think i'm gay because i want male friends and like they literally have the character who's like right kisses him um yeah uh that's the movie i'm thinking of what's ideal home yes when does that movie come out that's later that's later Later. that was like two years ago three years ago but but once again i love you man's not a apatow directed movie it's produced and you know there's a difference between some of the movies he produces and some of the movies he directs but yeah the ones that not by much the ones he doesn't direct are um not three hours long Slap at the bass, mama. Slapping the bass, mama. Slap at the bass, mama. I slap at the piazza. Please don't do that. He does dinner for schmucks. Um, he's kind of like really stuck in this world where it's just like, I mean, him and Steve Carell really are just like circling each other. Yeah. Doing like bits, 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 hoping something sticks. Um, in 2012, though, he does have a little bit part in Perks of Being a Wallflower, where I was like, oh my god, he he's playing like a real adult. Yeah, 
And like he's the teacher. This movie really feels like it's a space where a lot of for the adult characters comedic actors came to play serious but that but it's like truly like a tip spot for him and joan cusack right. and they're both good i you know i think they're both good in the movie but they're also not a ton is asked of them right so um he also does our idiot brother around this time which is very on the edge of the thing i hate the most where like people treat him badly because he's annoying and then like we're the bad guys because actually he's the one telling the truth the entire time. Right. Right. It doesn't go all the way. Like, cause he, because maybe because Paul Rudd is so likable. Like I wasn't as graded by this movie as like, you know, Adam Sandler movies that do this thing. Um, but my God, everyone in this movie is a bad person. Yeah. He's just kind of like an annoying person, but he is, but he's good, you know? I know you've got a really important life, Miranda, but you know what? Some of us just like to sit around, enjoy our family, and play a game of charades. <laughs> What's so funny, Nat? By the way, when a kid goes, you should at least give him the opportunity to act out his hint, all right, before you jump in with the answer, even if you know it. It's the same stupid clue Mom always puts in for River. So what? You're so cool, you can't, you're too bored, is that it? For God's sakes, Ned, we have other things on our minds. So you have to make it miserable for everybody? Okay, Ned, we're gonna play. Right. Just play the game. Let's get serious. Oh, just, play. just play the fucking game! In the third act, all of a sudden, everyone acts like normal human beings, you know? Yeah. Like, yep. Um, it's a very common thing with comedies, I've found. Yes. Especially after doing this this show. Yeah, it's just like nonstop. Um, he goes back to TV, he does Parks and Rec, another little tip spots playing Bobby Newport. Oh, um, I love him as Bobby Newport. I know. And, and, but once again, it is sort of that thing where he's just like attractive idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. If if there is a brand for him, it is attractive idiot. Yeah. Um, and, 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 the, and the sliding scale of like, how much of an idiot does he have to be, you know? <laughs> um, but again, reteaming with uh, his Wet Hot American Summer um, co-star Amy Poehler, um, you know. Also, staying the, they, came, staying the they came together, co-star. 2014, they came together. Uh, it's a parody. It's a very sloppy doppy movie. I don't want to give it to, but I, I love him in it and I love her in it. But it, it's very like... He works for a big candy company. She has a small candy store. It, like it's a complete parody of of romance of rom coms, and it's got like really great moments, but it is shockingly sloppy for David Wayne. It's I mean it it's it's almost Hobby Lobby, Polly Pocket, like go back to Party City where beauty belong because the graphics, the like clearly like rendered like they're like we we couldn't even get like a set to do this we couldn't even <laughs> yes. produce a sign for this um shocking how um you can see like all of the hem of this movie um did i enjoy this movie no <laughs> oh really okay well you know no. we have different senses of humor that's i guess yeah i don't, I you don't did, know not even the scene where he makes out with his grandmother i think that scene's so fucking funny no, I yeah I don't know I I'm 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 am I showing my ass on this I don't know like a part of me is no, like I don't think you're showing your ass on this but like eh. like I it's um there's a I, lot I'm just a more of a weirdo than you are I guess I've been saying that for years no I just think like there are some times when like the I I know that I struggle with this type of this type of comedy and humor I I it's 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 the um 
Christopher Guest. Yeah, it's the Christopher Guest of it all, all over again, and and the anti comedy stuff. Like I, I, I get why this is supposed to be funny, but it's just too wink, wink for me. It's too like self indulgent for me. Um, like I would prefer it just to go gonzo and not being like this is the joke and the joke is that we're doing it again and again and like you know because i think what hot american summer is a good example because it doesn't wink at us like i think it just kind of goes for it you know it doesn't have to like tell us the thing um this movie i think is telling us a thing over and over again um but you can you know, say that again gavin i swear <laughs> to fucking god you look like you've had a bad day <laughs> tell me about it well, you came in here looking like crap, and you haven't said very much. You didn't say that again. Well, you came in here looking like crap, and you haven't said very much. Hey, tell me about it. Well, you came in here looking like crap, and you haven't said very much. Yeah, you say that again. Well, you came in here looking like crap, and you haven't said very much. Hey, tell me about it. Well, you came in here looking like crap, and you haven't said very much. You love that scene? I love that scene. Oh, my God. Tell me about it. I... You can say that again. No. Tell me no. about it. <laughs> Nothing encapsulates what I dislike in comedy more than that scene. Oh my god. Shoot me. Shoot me in the face. Um I guess we're getting like to the era though of Marvel. Like yes. it is it is nigh. Um he gets Ant-Man in 2015. Um he not only gets Ant-Man, he writes the screenplay or helps write the screenplay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was re-watching some clips of it and I was like, yeah, there are some silly bits like that. You know, I think they because the idea of Ant-Man as a big budget superhero is very silly. And so there are bits in the movie where like the ants keep getting eaten by seagulls. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, that has Paul Rudd written all over it, you know? Yeah. And like him being like, oh no, the suit. Like it is, he, it's, it, he, he's coming, he becomes to represent like the Marvel, like silliness, like that humor we will see again in Guardians of the Galaxy and then in Thor and like just smeared across the entire MCU. Like, I think you can really pinpoint, um, Marvel going in that direction. Well, I was gonna say I think Guardians of the Galaxy is first, but yeah, oh, really? that de- that yeah, but that definite um that like tone, that tone of you know, and th- that's what a lot of people actually complain about nowadays. Yeah, now the, I mean the jo- is the jokey, but also like if those movies didn't have jokes, Jesus Christ, like what would they have? I, yeah, exactly. I so it's funny I had this argument with a lot of people where Ant-Man really felt like the first time for me. Cause I know a lot of people are like, Oh, they're all the same, but I, I could at least like it at least felt like they, you know, depending on who the director was, sometimes Marvel was working with somebody that had a singular point of view and was willing to try something different. And Ant-Man was one of the first times I really felt like, oh, we're just mining the same well. And I know a lot of people are like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, at its core, it's a very, it's basically almost the same structure as Iron Man. And people are like, well, no, there's a whole heist thing. And it's like, 
it yeah sure whatever like that's overlaid onto it you know and it's like oh the the joking it like those over like those redemption are, jokes yeah, the, those are like situations placed on top of but the bones are the same and so like i've never i know it's not a popular opinion i've never been a fan of either of the ant-man movies i think the second one's mildly better but I don't know. I don't know. I would rather spend my time doing something else, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they like rise to any, you know, special place, but he I mean, Ant-Man is very key in the um Endgame Infinity War. Like everyone by this point has like been playing these roles. So like the scenes of him and like the Hulk having breakfast and like taking selfies with like kids and stuff like that's funny. I like that. Yeah, I like them just not? hanging out like when it's not like, you know, we got to go back in time, whatever. Um, so, yes, the Ant-Man of it all, he is an Ant-Man. And, yeah. um, and it's keeping him real busy. And outside of that, he's doing some TV. You know, he did Living With Yourself for Netflix. and uh, he, he does like a couple other I, mean, I saw The Fundamentals of Caring. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about it. That was like early Netflix film. Yeah. Right. And I also, you know, saw uh, during this time, it seems like he's trying to like maybe get in his drama bag outside of Marvel. Because um, this is when he does the, the Ideal movie, Home. Ideal Home, which like it's not a movie I loved, but he sure looked so cute in it. <laughs> I was surprised because they sold Ideal Home as like an Apatow type like thing. It's like right, these it's parents not. suck. Yeah. But it's actually a very like charming and like almost like sad. I mean, yeah, yeah. sad. I mean, it's uh, this kid is left with his father who is now a gay man and his grandfather's his, his grandfather. His yeah. grandfather, that's right. Um, and played because, by Steve Coogan, who. And and I I liked uh, Paul Rudd and Steve Coogan. I just could never buy them as a couple, and not because of the like the script is they're a couple at odds. But like in the scenes in which they're not at odds, I was just like, oh, these two just don't have right. any like actual, actual sexual chemistry right. with each other. We can't have a kid. We are kids. Well, that's not true. You're more of a kid than me. Do I have a sense of play? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but you're a man. You're a great big hulking paleolithic beast of a man. You're talking about my ass. It's a deeply unsexual film, even though there is allegedly a scene of them fucking. Yeah, but hmm. that's that's what that's the other thing when he plays gay. Like, I mean, object of my affection. There's some kissing as well. Uh, but uh, like the catcher was a, was a spy, which by the way is the fucking worst title of any. I get worst. that it's a pun, but like it's genuinely the worst title. What's the pun? The catcher was a the catcher in the rye. That's the what the pun was, is supposed to be. Yeah, the catcher was a spy. It's a. I, I guess maybe puns too loose. Maybe just reference. Wait, do they reference the mo- that book in the movie? At no, all? no. It's just right. the title. Right. Okay. But anyways, but yeah, he he plays a, a gay baseball player who uh, who's also a super genius. Yeah. And it, the true story went to become a spy to to go kill off Adolf Hitler's 
number one scientist working right. for Heisenberg working Heisenberg. for the atom What's bomb, wild? but could never find proof, you know? Right. Yeah, that movie certainly was made. Um, Wild, wild. Um, You know, Prince of Avalanche? Prince Avalanche. Sure. Just Prince Avalanche. What was that movie about? (laughs) I watched it. I mean, that's sort of... (laughs) It was about people. It was just about people. That's sort of... That's David... When David Gordon Green's not making bad Halloween films... Like, that's what his thing was, is he would just make films about people. And and I I don't know, I liked bits of it. Like, it's that observational, like, slice of life. The, yeah, I guess. I didn't, I didn't love it. It was like a three-star movie for me. But, the but like, I, that scene with the woman who's going through her house. Yeah. Like, and that woman's not an actor. They found that woman doing that. They asked if they could film her. So, like, that's like a pseudo wow. documentary bit. Yeah, and this movie is about these two guys who are doing cleanup on like the ruins of burned Texas. Yeah, um, and it's just the two of them and this one woman who is she there? Who knows? Who, who knows? can never be sure? Um, but yeah, I mean. The, I, I did watch some of Living with Yourself, fun, yeah, harmless. I didn't. I didn't really get too much in the the TV stuff. Living with Yourself, The Shrinks Next Door. Like I, yeah. I was like, I was like, it's fine. I think I know a picture. He has done theater. Um, yes. he was big into the New York theater scene. He did um, Broadway, um, Shakespeare in the Park. Um, you know, he he has he, done Broadway before. Yeah, well. he has done Broadway before. He and he likes it. I think he talks about like you know the energy of being in the room and the crowd so he's very into um the theater scene which is kind of weird to me because i cannot imagine him on stage like what what is paul rudd bringing to the stage i don't know he's very i'm sure he's very charming (laughs) um personal life he's been married to um the same woman since 2003 they have two kids they met like working on clueless julie yeager um yeah she wrote Fun Mom, Fun, Fun Mom Dinner, everybody's favorite movie. Yes, which we mentioned last episode. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, he's they've been married. They have two kids. Uh, they still live in New York. Um, he's a big, um, you know, uh, very into like uh, charity work as well. He's a support of the Stuttering Association for the Young. Hmm. Um, he's also a founder of the charity the big slick which is a celebrity sports event in kansas city he's a big kansas sports buff um and it supports uh kansas city's children's mercy hospital um so yeah uh also interesting in 2014 him and jeffrey dean morgan bought a candy store a samuel sweet shop it's a candy store in rhinebeck new york and they bought it because the previous owner who was a friend of theirs died unexpectedly and the store was going to get you know clothes essentially and so they they still co-own it to this day it's it's open there's like specials for jeffrey dean morgan and specials for paul rudd um these two men who have worked with Catherine heigl crazy yeah and you know i like i i did want to the the other thing i did want to mention about the charitable stuff like he just seems as you mentioned before like he's a nice normal guy yes like there's a like he said 
you know, video chatted with this kid who was like a victim of bullying. Like he he's just totally sweet, normal guy. And he's just committed to the bit. The one thing I wanted to touch on before we moved into our picks, because I feel like we've been dancing around it and I feel like we we kind of need to talk about it, even if it's just brief. Many times on the show, we've talked about people who are actors and people who are movie stars. And there is a difference. Mm-hmm. And I know how I feel about this, but where does Paul Rudd fall for you? He's a movie star. He's 100% a movie star. And I feel bad saying that because he is somebody who studied his craft and he is, but he's been allowed, even in, you know, you just mentioned Prince Avalanche and you're like, what is that movie about? And I'm like, yeah, it's people, it's observational. But even in fucking Prince Avalanche, he's got to have his moment where he's like <sighs> dancing around and doing his mime thing and just doing, doing the Paul Rudd thing where he right. just does the little funny dances and he's just got to get the dancing in all the time. And it, we, you know, we've talked about Sam Rockwell doing it, but Sam Rockwell always finds a place to make it organic to the character. And that's not happening here. And I think it's because he's just allowed to, to get on stage and be charming that he, he hasn't had to act in a long time. Well, and it literally starts from Clueless on. Like, yeah. he dances in Clueless, and and he should, because that's what the character should do. But, like, he does it, and we fall in love with him, because he's right. Josh. And, but then, like, every... You know, I was watching This Is 40, and I'm like, wow, they really do have the montage of him and Leslie Mann, like, getting high and dancing on the bed, and, like... Right. Ev- every... Yeah, I, and... This feels very bizarre because it feels like we're coming down on Paul Rudd. And we're not like, listen, we're not actors like we we and like, I don't want to I don't want to, you know, I think in the end, you know, we, we're not trained actors. We can't be like, oh, my God, here is the the technique as to what he's not getting. But right. Like, but I, I think like for one, this maybe is coming off difficult because like a lot of his movies aren't our flavor of movie, um, you know, and that's fine. But also too like. There is nothing, his showiness, his like moments are always going to be in lanes that we do not appreciate because yeah. he's giving the fraternity, look at me, look at me, ha 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 vibes. Whereas you and I want to see fucking Marilyn Monroe <laughs> in like yeah. a dress and like fucking like, you know, I. it's just not the flavor for us, but... I completely understand and totally get like his, like you said, charm offensive. And we have talked about people like this before on this podcast. You know, I think, you know, um, Jennifer Lopez, I think, is in this lane. Jennifer Lopez, she just has fucking star power. Like Paul Rudd just has star power. Like that's just the thing. Jennifer Aniston, who I think is a very funny actress, but she just has star power. You know, she's able to be Jennifer Aniston and like that is okay. And so, like, he is in, in in good company, but I was thinking about, like, God, no one has really asked him to do anything. We should get out of this rewind. But I, I did think that was just an important conversation to have because, like, I, you know, we both, I, I felt like we were with kit gloves trying to be like, listen, we're, we're making hints and observations, but, like, I think it's more important that we're just like, this is truly how we feel about this. Yeah. And, like, it's not a knock on him. He's great. But like, it's just he's a he's a movie star. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, man, Paul Rudd, for as much as we like him, he's like. Toast. 
you know, just yeah. like, yeah, great for breakfast. Not going to think about it. All right. Let's get out of here. Let's get into our one star reviews. Gavin, spin the wheel, babe. <laughs> I know. There's so much that I watched for this that I, and even things that I thought I liked that I revisited and was like, oh, goodness. Um, I mean, I guess I'll go. I have said this before. I really hope that I'm called as a witness for the Hague Tribunal about Dinner for Schmucks. <laughs> because I truly think Dinner for Schmucks is just a, a weapon of destruction in the mm, world. It, mm-hmm. It's exactly the thing you were talking about. And I'm glad yeah. you brought it up. The yeah. idea that, no, that's not bad. You are bad for being judgmental. And it's like, no, it, it doesn't work. D- Dinner for Schmucks is a, is a film in which Paul Rudd plays a, a, he's like a business guy. It's so funny. They, they make a big joke about like nobody really understanding what he does in the movie or like the, the one character thinking he's a stockbroker, but then they never really fully explain what he does ever. So there's a lot the, of movies like this though. I mean, like Wanderlust is the same thing. Where it's like, well, you have a corporate job and he's like, well, yeah, I have to pay bills. What, yes. what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, and but he wants a promotion, and his boss invites him to this dinner that they have every now and then, in which they invite that it's called like the most interesting person, and they invite losers to make fun of them. And he's with his fiance, who doesn't want to be his fiance, or is like, "Give me more time," and he keeps asking her to marry him, and. He's like, oh, I have this dinner, and he just happens to meet this pathetic but also incredibly dangerous man. The titular smuck? Yeah, the titular smuck, uh, played by uh, Steve Carell, Carell. as, as you mentioned before. And this man comes into his life and proceeds to systematically destroy it, ruin everything, by not just being an idiot but also being a truly harmful person. Yeah. And this is where the movie is really like, doesn't, I mean, this part doesn't work for me, but also Paul Rudd doesn't work for me because this is one of those movies where it doesn't know if it wants you to believe Paul Rudd is bad Mm -hmm. or if he's good Mm -hmm. because he continually also makes the every bad decision and and is doing it for selfish reasons and then in the end you know comes down to uh well we're both good guys so we're in the right See, and i i don't want to describe too much more of it because it's just so many bad gags after bad gags but just to give you an idea this is a 2 hour fucking movie and the dinner doesn't even start until 20 minutes from the end of this film i just I, again like i can't help but think like the movies like this give a lot of permission to people about like, isn't Steve Carell so hilarious in this movie? I'm just going to, and, and being obnoxious and like, and in the end he was a good guy. He is. And it, it, we've talked about this, you know, for a couple of times, but like in Jim Carrey, I was like, yeah, I wanted the mask was the funniest thing I've ever seen. And like, you know, him like assaulting this woman, like I was like, right. Oh, behaving this way. But like, 
and you think about now and like the way men act specifically now and like I guess maybe not even specifically now, but like continuously now and like with women and and just being like harmful, obnoxious people on the internet. It's like movies like this, you know, have these kooky, crazy characters, and it's like it it just gives them people. If if I could be really off base, but like it feels like they give people like blank checks, being like, oh well, if that's funny, and people are laughing at that. I'm going to I'm going to do that also. It's like Ugh. right because because the solution in the end is that like everyone yeah. else. And here's the thing. I don't mind a movie that takes down the rich and or you know is like laugh at the the bad people. But the film fails to acknowledge that all of the other characters are also bad people. <laughs> and it's such a strange it's such a strange thing because it's it's like the the movie is unable to pick a lane as to where it wants to come and it's a it's a remake of a very famous french film and it has so little in common like Mm. an an important movie to french people i do want to point out i remember that, that yeah and that movie is the whole thing is the dinner and the paul the paul rudd character is the bad guy Hmm. and because he's the one who throws the dinner and like the and that's the because for a morality play to work, right? You you need a moral core, and, right? And right. So, the idea that you're like inviting losers, quote unquote, to make fun of them to dinner, like that is reprehensible. Just as like a yeah idea, and but the the movie wants you to be like, oh, isn't he complicated? Because he's going back and forth about whether he should invite this guy or not. And as this guy, as Steve Carell, systematically dismantles his life ruins his relationship with his girlfriend ruins a job prospect for him brings a stalker back into his life played by lucy punch which i will say this i'm not always on the lucy punch train i was like you know what maybe i should give lucy punch another shot because she the first couple bits when she came in i was like oh she actually gave me one of the few laughs in this movie (laughs) but uh the like it it's giving you permission to think, oh, it's now okay for him to be an asshole because right. this other character's an asshole. And right. so there's just, there's no center here. It's all just bad well, the- people being bad. What are you doing? Computer. Oh my God, you gave her my address? She's very concerned about you. Mary, this woman is a nightmare. She's been stalking me for three years. I slept with her one night. Biggest mistake of my life. It was before I even met Julie. Why did you do that? Because it was New Year's and I was drunk and she was wearing these fishnet stockings. You want me to tell her not to come? Go. Go. The the studio was like, okay, Corral doing bits, Paul Rudd's charm. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. That's what this movie's hanging on. It's like, but that does not make a movie. Sorry, gal. No. It took me three days to watch this movie. Jesus Christ. I kept pausing it to be like, I can't do this anymore. So that's when I knew. I was like, this is my one-star review. Uh, Louis, what do you got? Uh, my one-star review is 2018's The Catcher Was a Spy. Yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> this, I, this movie is like a 30 Rock sketch. Like, it's... When 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 whoever found this book, it's based on a book. When they found this, they said, "Oh my goodness, 
a gay baseball player who is a super genius who was sent to kill Hitler's scientist. Oh my, oh my God. <laughs> Oscar buzz. Uh oh. Like, this movie was created in a lab. Okay. And they said, who's hot right now? Who do people love? And Paul Rudd, who is freshly Ant Man, I guess. And, and it, it's, it's, it is insane because this movie clearly is aiming for notoriety and like importance. Um, who is, uh, there is a guy in this movie that I was like, well, Oh, Paul Giamatti is in this movie. Paul yes. Giamatti, who is the like American scientist who is like, no, you need to go do this thing. Cause it's so bad. Paul Giamatti is giving it his like Oscar best and it's a period drama. And so he like, Paul Giamatti lives in this lives there, but then you have Paul Rudd, who has a face that a face and a voice that knows what cell phones are. And, yes, <laughs> thank and, you. And it it he's so miscast. I mean, like it is nuts. And it's the movie I also think doesn't look good. There's like no. full on war action sequences that I'm like, okay, they spent twenty dollars. This is crazy. Yeah, just because you tint something sepia doesn't magically make it old. (laughs) Um, And I just think, like, there is a a good movie in this story. This man, Mo Berg, deserves, like, this man deserves, like, fucking an entire Pride Month and a half, bitch. Like, bisexual representation, like... But also, though, I think I looked up that the movie wants him to be more bisexual than he. I think he was just gay, 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 gay. But whatever. Um, truly, whatever. Like, this was a, a a friend of Dorothy. He was one of us. And this movie is very, like, of course he had to be closeted. Of course. I don't need him to be butt-fucking all across this movie. Right. But I do need, like... The, the movie to it's it's very just like it's it's the bohemian rhapsody of it all like you know it's like yeah, yes i was but that's whatever and none of your business and like the movie goes out of its way to be like i saw you and wanted to have sex with you woman and it's like okay i guess like it's very it, it doesn't it it really deeply wants us to believe that like this man was just a genius and like didn't have like it, it it's uh, it's upsetting al- also like i it is nice that paul rudd is able to he's been accused of being covertly jewish over the yeah. years yeah and yeah. so it is nice to like have him acknowledge the the jewishness by playing a jewish character moberg when it finally shows moberg at the end the real moberg, I, I was i was I like know. baby this is not Paul Rudd. This no. Is, like, ca- cast somebody who is more suited to this role, too, and maybe they'll bring something slightly more interesting to it. Because, yeah, you're right, because it's it's also Paul Rudd in his most boring uh, mode. You know, when there's that scene, is it Jeff Daniels who plays the, yeah. the like, guy that hires him? Yeah. To, and he, he's like, are you queer? And he's like... I keep my life private. And yeah. I was just like, yeah, 
oh my god, how many hours of this movie are left? And the funny thing is, this is not even a long movie. Not married, no children. Odd for a man your age, no? Never occurred to me. May I ask you a very personal question? You may. Are you queer? I'm good at keeping secrets. The closest we get to him being outwardly queer is like he goes to Japan to play baseball and he meets some representative politician. I don't know. And they have like a drink and they have like, it's wild though, because I think in the hands of literally anyone else or a a director who is interested in exploring that, like it could have been a very hot scene of like them having drinks together and like asking questions. But they're really asking is like, are you, are are we going to have sex? Um, This is going to lead to fucking. Yeah. Yeah. And, but instead it's just the most bland. I think they like cut to him putting like his tie back on it. And I was like, did did you guys do anything? Like, what is the implication here that like, you know, you went to Japan to play football and like baseball, 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 sorry. Wow. (laughs) But also like the gay jumped out, (laughs) the gay jumped out. But the implication is that this man is also the one who's telling him like, Oh no, war is happening. Like war will come, you know? And I'm like, okay, so there is this one avatar who is supposed to be representative of all of Japan and also is the guy who he is sleeping with. Like it's, it's very bizarre. This movie is trying to be very important and it's just comes off as so cheap. It's, 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 it feels like a 30 rock movie. Like it it really does. Um, And Paul Rudd is very bad. I cannot, I cannot believe um, miscast unequipped to do anything in this movie um not all his fault because the movie itself i mean it's woof woof all around it's free on tubi now if you want to watch it but i I don't recommend it (laughs) (laughs) um i would ask if there's anything else but i mean genuinely there's it's it is a laundry list so why don't we just get into our five star reviews and move on from here There is a five-star movie in this, um, you know, filmography, but I don't think for me it's what I want to talk about because I think actually his best performance is in The Object of My Affection, um, which I think is a flawed movie, but also, like, I'm trying to, like, meet the movie where it's at. Um, And I, because, again, like, we talked about this with Connie and Carla and like, you know, we, we have been talking the the nineties and aughts were like very hard for like gays on film, um, especially in the mainstream. But I think his performance in this movie is actually very, very tender and nuanced. And I think, you know, that early in his career to be so unabashedly playing gay and the movie is unabashed. It is unlike the catcher's a spy, this movie is clear in its vision, and and I think you know um, I buy him and Jennifer Aniston becoming those good friends. You know, the movie starts off with he's in a relationship with a successful man, and he's a teacher, and like he has his little gay life, um, and the gag is 
he goes to a party where Jennifer Aniston is, and Jennifer Aniston's like, oh, I met your boyfriend. He says you're looking for a new place. And he's like, what do you mean? <laughs> and she's like, uh, well, he says you're moving out, girl. <laughs> and so the drama, whatever. And so he's, in fact, does move in with her because he has nowhere to go. They end up becoming very good friends. They take ballroom dancing lessons together. It's very cute, cute, cute. And I could see in 1998, these two very attractive people, why shouldn't they be together? Why, sh- you know, and if society, and it should be that, that easy, you know? Um, but like we mentioned, she falls a little too hard, um, is actually wanting to be with him. Um, and I think the movie does a, a well enough job of, uh, you know, letting this man have his own life. And and I think Paul Rudd, it, there is an ease to this performance. He is so unencumbered by, you know, I, I, I'm very impressed by him this early in his career has all the charm that we know and love and the likability stuff, but it's just so unencumbered by self-consciousness, you know, just very relaxed. Um, and I absolutely buy him. I think he has chemistry with all the men in this movie who he has uh, romantic um, dalliances with. Um, so yeah, I, I, I watched, I watched it again and I just felt like, you know, for me, it holds up and is a good, like, little time capsule of this era of New York. Um, and 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 also, it's a, kind of like a hopeful movie. I think the book is actually a lot darker. Um, but in the end, like, they are able to figure out their relationship as friends with the kid. He has his male lover. Um, and it it definitely feels like, I don't know a girl's episode if it was made in 1998 or something. I don't know. (laughs) This isn't easy. I promised. I promised her I'd help her with the baby. That's great. Help her. You be the uncle. You be Uh, the godfather. No, you don't understand. I'm more excited about this baby than anything ever in my life. More than me. Oh, jeez. Paul, don't make it that way. I'm not making it that way. You are. I love you very much. I was hesitating to do this because you seem so adamant about no, not go, liking it. Do but it. I, I truly think Wanderlust is my five-star review. I don't want to give it to Clueless because Clueless is his first film. And I I feel like that's such a mean thing to do, to be like, your first was your best, and then you've never been able to recapture it. And I don't think that's true. I definitely don't think that's true. But, uh, you know, I... I think what works about Wanderlust is he is taking that sort of character that he's perfected, that that sort of everyman character, and it places him in a situation where he is so fish out of water. And then to double down on that takes his wife, played by Jennifer Aniston, which I told you when I texted you i think it's one of jennifer aniston's best performances you did tell me that which is wild (laughs) i think she's so good in it i think because i think she could do to be sillier in in her career and i i i think the the part that i think part of it is what the audience expects of her because friends was so prestigious even though it was a comedy it's considered like because it was so popular it's become this prestige thing that she should be doing prestige movies and like 
I want less cake from her and more wanderlust. But I I like him doing this sort of, uh, you know, every man trapped in this hippie commune, but trying to get along, seeing the absurdity of it. I love, you know, Lauren Ambrose in the movie. She's it, so good. She's so fucking good. And she's so deranged. Yeah. With, with her like, this is my African-American boyfriend. I know. <laughs> like, uh, and, but like that that stuff in like looking around and being able to see like this is a crazy situation but this is the situation that i'm in and i'm gonna make the best of it and filling in that world i, I don't know i think he's so so funny in some of those scenes and yeah the madiac scene goes on for so long and it's unnecessary and it's so funny that they put in that blooper at the end which once again Bloopers during credits. Still don't know how I feel about them. I, I'm I'm pro bloopers. I love a good blooper. It, it depends. It truly depends. I when we were making my senior thesis film in college, the director I was the assistant director, but I also wrote the movie, and the director was like, "We should put some bloopers in the end credits." And I was just like, "Do we want to be one of those movies?" Wow. And I wow. I was the, the one time I overruled the director. I was like. Come on, let's not do that. You're like, I'm oh. playing, I'm, we're making a serious film, okay? Yes. <laughs> In the bloopers, he's like, okay, I'm grossing myself out now. <laughs> like, he, like, brought it to a point that it was too far for him. And I think that's indicative of, of what's happening. But I don't know. I just, I really, even the stuff at the beginning, I love that bit at the beginning of them buying the house. I love the bit of them, like, every the argument. The loft. The micro loft. Yes, that's right. I do love that conversation he has with his friend where he's like, um, it's both small and expensive. expensive and he's like, yeah. wow, small and expensive. Usually yeah. people only get one. Mm-hmm. And uh, But the, the scene of them having every argument, but also every joy while they're moving out of New York City. Right. I love that stuff. I the, to me that's the textured stuff that that works for him that like shows off what he can do as a comedic actor and isn't just him relying on doing a funny face or doing a funny dance. I'm so obsessed with your Joe's coffee. It had to be Joe's coffee. It's great fucking coffee. Oh that water keep on rolling. We are fucked, we are fucked, we're fucked! Forge, stop! And I ain't got no money, cause I ain't got no worry at all. That's how much you made last year, eight hundred dollars. You know what? I think you like that I don't work. How could you let this happen to us? hundred dollars. I didn't mean it, I was upset. Yes, I I meant it! I meant it! I think him and Jennifer Aniston have really good chemistry. It's wild that we- I agree, yeah. That we both picked a movie where they are the stars. I know, Um, I was thinking that during your- I was like, am I gonna pick the other Jennifer Aniston, Paul Rudd Yeah, I I will say, I I don't think it's a disservice to say Clueless, because Clueless, in my eyes, Clueless is a five-star movie. Oh, um, it, it it is. Uh, uh, this is not me trying to take anything, uh, not to interrupt you, and uh, it's not me trying to take away anything from Clueless. I just think it's it. If I, I think if I was the person listening to this, which obviously Paul Rudd's not going to listen to this episode, though. And this is breaking news. This is the first time anybody's heard this besides Louis or I. We do know actually that one of our subjects has listened to one of our yes, episodes. We and do that's, know. Such a weird feeling, and we're not going to tell you who, 
but an actual celebrity has actually listened to one of our episodes. Uh, but hey, J Lo, imagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, the we hear you, Kevin Bacon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, but I I think if I were like Paul Rudd and I was listening to this episode, yeah, and somebody was I, like, "Oh, my first movie was the best thing I've ever done." I, I mean, but listen, that's not his fault. Like, it's no. not his fault that he. The first thing he like really did was this incredible culture changing movie. Like that is and and I, I know you're not trying to take away from that, but like I don't I don't want to spare his feelings. Like I'm sorry you were <laughs> in the most incredible movie of the 90s. Like it it is what it is and he is very good in that and I think him and Alicia Silverstone have a great chemistry in that movie. I think he plays stuck up college bro who like re- again, he has in this era I think he has an ease to himself that I really yes. like that feels like it disappeared in the Apatow world where in the Apatow world, he's pushing, he's pushing. And like, cause it's bits, 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 bits in pre that era. It's, it's the ease and the charming and like, it's a little bit more charismatic. Um, I do want to say, you know, I rewatch. I, I think Role Models is funny. I rewatched I Love You, Man, and I still kind of like it. I think him and Jason Segel are like doing their thing. Yeah, um, and 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 that's the the one where like I'm I reversed on because I, I I think there's a lot of good performers in I Love You, Man, but I couldn't take it this time, and I just thought <laughs> I thought Segel's character was so toxic and so like inserting himself where he doesn't belong, and actually is kind of a much like darker, sadder character than the movie makes him out to be. Right. The movie it's weird. Of- when I first rewatching it, I was like, I could have sworn they gave him a better redemption or like, a. I could have sworn there was more like a revelation of him realizing that there is something wrong within himself as well. Right. Like his lifestyle isn't great, but it, it you're right. It doesn't happen. The, he kind of, the movie pushes all that aside just to kind of get to like, yeah, <sighs> these two men can finally admit themselves and to each other that like you are special to me in my life. But like it's it's funny because uh, that that in of itself is so hard in our culture. Like, right? We it's, cannot it's, tackle the other things that are like wrong. It's, <laughs> it's weird because it's like so. It's such a simple resolution, but it does feel like the movie kind of has to both sides toxic toxic masculinity throughout the whole thing in order to yeah. get there which is like a a shitty place to be and that's that's what turned me off this time and like listen you know there are a lot of i i also don't want to th- say that we're being completely negative i love the movie the shape of things which we didn't even talk about in this episode but we have talked about in the rachel vice episode and that particular performance while it is very theatrical it's because they were doing that play for so long that when they made the movie out of it with the original cast, like it was a very lived in, like he had been doing it for the stage, but I do like him in that role still. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, of the Apatow stuff, like the 40 year old virgin and knocked up. Yeah. In the same way that clues changed culture, like those movies did as well. You know, it was just a different time. And I think, you know, I remember watching both of those movies in 2005, 2007, whatever, and laughing my fucking ass off. You know, like it's hard to watch now just because it's like, oh God, the way we talked about women is fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, but, and, and, and the way that like attempting to like make sense of men, I mean, I still love yes, that regardless yes. of, 
regardless of how I feel about them as a whole, the the scene in Knocked Up where he asks Seth Rogen, do you ever wonder how anybody could ever like you is still really heartbreaking yeah. in, in a very funny, in the middle of like a very funny movie. I think he'll take us back. Yes. But I don't know why. Do you ever wonder how somebody could even like you? All the time, man. Like every day. I wonder how you like me. How can Debbie like me? She likes me. I mean, she loves me. The biggest problem in our marriage is that she wants me around. And it's almost as if, like, at, during this era, to get to male, like, feelings and, like, big issues, it had to be, like, we have to go through, like, shitting on women to get there, you know? Like, yeah. It's, it's almost a weird as if, like, thing. Judd Apatow's movies always have this emotional core of, like, male panic and like insecurity um but like to get there you know you've got to get through like all the toxic men jokes and women are stupid jokes um which is unfortunate but like also just shows what we were where we were at in 2005 you know like uh, we had to get through it i guess but let's do our mixed reviews review my one star review was 2010's dinner for schmucks my one-star review was 2018's The Catcher Was a Spy. My five-star review was 2012's Wanderlust. My five-star review was 1998's The Object of My Affection. All right, let's get into the fast-forward. So we're doing this episode mostly because Quantumania is coming out. <laughs> right, like, because the, he has another Ant-Man movie coming yeah. out. Yeah. Um, which is promising to be like, I don't know, some sort of ending or beginning of whatever yeah. era it's, of Marvelness we're in right now. Yeah, it's the beginning of phase five, I guess. And it is, you know, the, the trailer looks like darkness, 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 which everybody is kind of shocked about because the Ant-Man movies have been light yeah, so far. It, you feels, know. it feels like they're, the other Ant-Man movies were kind of just like, fillers i would say um it feels like they're saying okay well ant-man is one of the characters we have left over from the original right because we're, we're we're hemorrhaging the yeah. original actors now and and so they really gave him this platform to be like okay well we're gonna introduce the new big bad we're gonna like really give ant-man and paul rudd kind of this big hurrah i don't know if this is his last ant-man or not um, yeah i don't know he's not allowed to say they're they're not allowed to talk about anything in a Marvel yeah. interview. Yeah, so um, I, I'll go see it. You know, I, I'm excited to see Kang and um, Jonathan Majors, who is aggressively hot. Yeah, um, uh, and and yeah, um, Evangeline Lilly is a crazy person, unfortunately. Um, which is the less the less said about Evangeline Lilly, the better. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but we but we we have two other um, subjects. Uh, in this in in ant-man the ant-man universe we've got uh michelle pfeiffer and michael douglas yes um, and you know what we stand them both we will go for them <laughs> i yeah i uh what do you want from paul R i mean i i don't care if i see him on stage i don't the, no, uh, this will be the no. first time i i will say that um i you don't know, you know i, was, I I was thinking that and I was like, you know, he would make a very good villain. And apparently there's a Netflix movie that I did not watch um, where he does play a villain. Um, I believe it's called Mute. Um, oh, yeah. No, don't watch Mute. Don't watch it? Okay. Yeah, because I, I watched Mute when we did 
our Sam Rockwell Sam episode. Sam Rockwell, okay. Even though Sam Rockwell only has like a cameo in it, but it's so bad. Is this what we're going to get from Paul Rudd forever? If it is, it'll be fine. Like, he's fine at it, and that's fine. Well, I, I just think, like, you know, I think he would be... I think it would be an interesting new texture to see him. He could have very easily been the frozen bad guy, where he's the prince, but he's actually a fucking asshole. Yes. Like, he could do that very easily. Um, and But a part of me wonders if he's not interested in that, because I think he, like very much is like i don't want to be a bad guy like i'm you know likable paul rudd even though i think he maybe would say that he is annoyed by people saying he's like likable and whatever i think he's also just like doesn't want to be a manipulative violent murderer or whatever you know um and i i you know i it feels limiting to me because i think he could how exciting would it be for him to like be an actual full blown villain um, right. and using those powers for evil? Because there are a lot of <laughs> there are a lot of hot villains out there that need to be <laughs> represented. Um, it's fu- it's funny that you would say limiting because I did in in the in the rewind say that it is noble when you find people that you like working with and you continue to work with them. But I do think it has been limiting for him. Uh, but it also then leads me to question, like, yeah, but does he want to push? Right. And and when you watch things like The Catcher Was a Spy, it's like, well, is he trying to push? Or is this just, was this an easy thing for him to go do? And... I don't know. I I feel like I'm being so negative. I don't want to be negative. I didn't I didn't hate watching a ton of these movies. Like I I was selective about the movies I watched and uh, I do think he's really funny and charming and I I like seeing him in stuff and yeah, I think I think that's what you show up for, you know. Do I need to see him in another fucking Ghostbusters movies which I think he is going to be in the next one again? Like no, because like you know that all they hired him for was to play sexy Rick Moranis, which like, yeah, you know, yeah. But so like, like, it's it's funny you mentioned that because I I think I heard him say like he he's doing what he likes to do. Yeah, and so I wonder if like he likes hanging out with his friends and making those dumb dumb movies like that are not my flavor. Like, but you know, he's like, oh, I can hang out with Amy Poehler again and like you know be with my buds right. and like. I think he likes it and I that's it's easy and like people like it too like who the fuck am I like people like that stuff they want him to be the likable every man who like is in you know if not in light rom-coms then in like you know these bits 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 things like because you know what like <laughs> Melissa McCarthy and this is 40 is hilarious so I'll fucking sit through this is 40 to watch it you know like and, yeah. and it's 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 fine it's it, you know you know it, it's no skin off my back and so I think, you know, that is his superpower, though. Like, his superpower is just being like, yeah, you can get through this, like, bro comedy movie because he is, I think, aspirational to so many straight men who it's (laughs) like, God, I want to be as charismatic and carefree and funny and, like, easy breezy as Paul Rudd. And there are not many guys who could do that because, like, when you think about the people who 
auditioned for Josh, like Ben Affleck and Zach Braff, Ben Affleck quickly decided he's going to zoom over to dramas. Like he dabbled in the rom-com world. Meh. And he said, no, I, cause he does not have the likability factor that Paul Rudd does. You know, Zach Braff is, I, mo- I think the same. I don't think Zach Braff has the likability factor. Paul Rudd does. Right. And Zach Braff is just like better off being gonzo TV guy. And like, yeah, that's fine. Like, what is the thing that Paul Rudd has? It is the charm. It is the likability. And that, I think, pushes, like, America and the world to believe, like, Ant-Man is a viable, like, blockbuster, like, movie. Like, you know? Right. Like, there are all these things. And I think Hollywood is weaponizing Paul Rudd and his likability to get us to see these, like, perhaps not five-star movies. But, you know, um, that is powerful you know and um at the very least uh it's not ben affleck you know <laughs> yeah very that um uh, just quickly like after he also is going to be in the next um only murders in the building for a couple episodes oh that's right yeah very like him and meryl they got they got meryl so hey yeah, he he's in the last episode of the second season i believe is he uh, and i, I uh, need to start watching that at some point but that's that's a show that like likes itself a lot and um it's not starring steve martin and martin short what are you talking about yeah i know um i also i like selena gomez i don't understand what she's doing here i don't i don't get the bit that she's doing we'll save that for the selena gomez episode stay tuned in two weeks stay tuned um but yeah i don't know if there's anything else to say i think he's a mostly harmless actor who is comfy 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 cozy in his lane and if he ever wanted to push, he could, but I don't think he's there right now. <laughs> yeah. So Mazel. Some, some, yeah, exactly. Someday we'll get the Paul Red Dirty Harry that we've all been dreaming of. Please. <laughs> all right. Until then. That, until then, if you want to contact us, you can always find us on Twitter at, at The Mixed Reviews. Or on Facebook, just type in The Mixed Reviews. You can always email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram at the underscore mixed underscore reviews. You can also listen to our back catalog like you listen to this entire episode. And you can find that all on any major podcast app. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Audible, Amazon. And if you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please stop by, leave us a five-star rating, write us a little review or read on the show. What that does... And I know this just drags out the ending, but it really helps us in the algorithm. It gets other people to find our shows, expands our audience, and we get to have a larger family. We love that. It's funny. Um, what was the episode Trana just tweeted us that she went back to to, re- to listen to for the first time? Oh, uh, the Kira Knightley episode. Yeah. yeah. I just love that, like, I, I, I love that people, because um, everyone has their own ways that they listen to podcasts and, like, do you? Yeah. Um, and so I love that you guys are able to go back and find um you know other episodes of people you skipped or or missed um and we have a lot of them so please by all means dibble here dabble there whatever um but thank you guys for listening Uh, thank you to our patreon um family and we will see you guys in two weeks
Why does my nose keep itching? Uh oh, the classic itchy nose. Yeah, it's because I keep doing all this blow. <laughs> classic Gavin um, Vice. You just love cocaine. 